everyone, and welcome to the LSU Sports Podcast from the Red Zone Report. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Today we're going to be getting into some LSU recruiting, one coming and one going, it seems. Also, uh, what the Tigers were talking about at the SEC Media Days, maybe what some other teams were talking about since they seem to be on the Tigers' minds. Uh, but before we get into that, I uh, just want to go ahead and ask you folks to hit the subscribe button. Follow us on Twitter at Pod, And, of course, check out the website at LA Red Zone Report. Um, but I also want to check in with my host. Uh, the, the hurricane has passed. So uh, how's everybody doing down there? Doing pretty good. Not too, uh, not too shabby. I'm actually up in, up in your neck of the woods in Atlanta right now. So, yeah. uh Unfortunately, we couldn't get together and uh, do podcasts together, but you know, we're we're together in spirit in the in uh, hot Atlanta. So it's good to be with you, Scott. Yeah, likewise. I, I believe the uh, College Football Hall of Fame is directly in between both of us right now. I don't know if you knew that, but it is. Oh, yeah, that's about right. Downtown. Um, yeah, right around and, uh, the Phillips Phillips Arena, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where they're going to hold the media days next year, I believe. Uh, before it goes off to Nashville. Uh, how about you, uh, Daniel? How you doing? Uh, doing well. Good to be back. Uh, not too much really going on this week, but yeah, hurricanes passed. Not too much damage. Glad for that. In the dog days of summer now, but ramping up into the fall. And yeah, hopefully we could all get together and do a podcast together sometime this season, uh, maybe for a game. That would be a lot of fun. Yes, it would. Uh, hopefully one in Tiger Stadium, uh, you know, just to have it out there on the grounds outside of Tiger Stadium where all the, all the good tailgating happens. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine a better place, except for maybe outside the Superdome in January next year. But um, <laughs> long, long road Scott? between now and there. Was that? Is that a prediction, Scott? Uh, that is a hope. <laughs> that is a hope. Uh, prediction means this is what, what's going to happen and this is why. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying it'd be nice to, to do a podcast outside the Superdome if the Tigers were playing there, because as you may or may not know, that's where the National Football Championship game will be, the, the final from the college football playoff. Uh, they Actually, the, the committee had made a special trip down to New Orleans recently to kind of scout the town and make sure everything's going along, and they they said it was going along great. So should be should be a good show, whoever's playing, but... As I said, hopefully the Tigers are. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but to get into hopefully who might be able to help them get there. Well, actually, he's not going to get there soon. But uh, Tigers secured a, a, a highly rated tight end out of Grand Junction, California, Central High, uh, Cole Taylor. Uh, this is a pretty good get for the Tigers, especially because this guy's pretty big. Uh, and I think it also speaks to a, their ability to recruit outside Louisiana, which they've continued to do, but also B, you know, just recruiting a, a good prospect on the offensive side. Cause for a while there, that was a, you know, a little knock against the Tigers Other coaches in the sec would use that against them to, you know, dissuade these high profile offensive prospects, but it doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Uh, this is a pretty good get, right guys? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, you know what they always say: you can't teach six seven. So uh, <laughs> he's got the he's got the uh, raw talent, and you know he's got the the just the, he's been blessed with that height 
that uh, I failed to get. So <laughs> I'm uh, so I'm eager to see him on the on the field and uh, see him you know down in uh, down for uh, spring spring ball next year if he if he comes early or if not the next year on the field. But um, you know all indicators say that this guy is a, a gifted athlete athlete. So. You know, I'd love to see him go over the top and, uh, you know, ju- go for some jump balls and, and use that height. Right, yeah, 6'7", 230 is a high school junior. Pretty impressive. And uh, I watched a little tape of him and him walking out with his high school team, like linked arms in there, like barely not even coming up to his shoulders. <laughs> and he's just like standing tall. So, yeah, if we can have that presence uh, for a tight end, that'd be great. Since we haven't really had – a huge standout. Uh, Foster Moore did a good job last year, obviously getting drafted, but I wouldn't say that he was really like the super integral part of the offense. Maybe that's just kind of how our scheme sets him up, but if we can uh, put that in there, then I think that'd be a big benefit. Uh, he's only a three-star right now, but I think most people are saying that he'll be at least a four-star by the end of next year. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I looked it up on uh, on the times Picayune site. It, the, the, the article said three star. Then you go to Tiger Droppings and it says he's a four star. So I don't know who you know if he if he'd already gone up between those different publications or if you know just different rankings. Uh, you know they, they're not always congruent. So, uh, but I do agree that uh, it'd be great if they could get a tight end into the mix because uh, they haven't quite done that in a while and. They have a guy on their team. I was, uh, you know, I'm still kind of excited to see. He just hasn't factored in because he's been injured, and that was uh, Thaddeus Moss, uh, Randy Moss's son. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think he went hoping, down with an ACL injury last year. Yeah, I know. I, I'm I'm hoping he's well enough to go this year because I I would be excited to see Randy Moss's son. I'm, I'm sure he's probably six six seven or six six. Close. He's six. Close. Th- he says he's 6'3", I think, listed on the depth chart. But uh, if he's anything like his dad, he, he might be able to, you know, take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. So. Exactly. Classic Randy quote. <laughs> Classic, you know. The only thing is, uh, I, I just hope Thaddeus Moss is not getting paid with straight cash, homie. Right. Hopefully That's <laughs> another Randy, Randy Moss quote if you're not familiar. <laughs> oh, right. I got it, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> So the Tigers picked up that recruit, but they, it looks like they're going to lose another one possibly because Kelvin Joseph is back in the transfer portal. And this is just starting to get odd because he was in, then he was out. His dad said he was out. <laughs> already from the step back in? No, no, that's what, no he, he was in, and then his dad came out and said he's not in anymore. I'm taking him out the first time. Uh-huh. So his dad, Joseph, stepped in and uh, and, you know, kind of, took him out of the transfer portal and said he's not going anywhere. And now he's, he's back in and he said, I'm officially in the transfer portal. So, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with this. I, I was talking to me and Daniel were talking about it earlier this week, I guess, you know, the, the only, the only uh, maybe uh, positive you can see in this is I guess Derek Stingley's the real deal. And, you know, it, cause if this guy who's, who's been there for, for a while now is uh, if he's, you know, not confident that he's going to get any playing time or not get not going to get the playing time he wants, you know, it's not, it's not Christian Fulton who's taking the playing time away from him. So you got to think it's probably, you know, it's just that Stingley's that good. 
but yeah, I don't I mean, like to see him go, and I don't I don't want him to uh, I don't want to I don't want to make this trend of losing talent. Yeah, he's a great player, but uh, I can kind of understand his frustration a little bit if he's been kind of buying his time, and then now uh, getting into I think it's his junior year, and then this guy a freshman comes in and pretty much takes the starting spot that he's been waiting on, and he just really wants to show off his skill set. He even tweeted out a couple of days ago, kind of shopping himself out to other schools. He said, "You can recruit me as a corner, safety, nickel. I'm all that." So he's pretty much putting his uh, his skill set online and saying. Come, come get me! I'm ready to roll. <laughs> okay, but the thing is, he, he's not going to face the same competition somewhere else. Like, why, why would, why would he want to leave? Because, like he said, he could, you could use me here, you can use me here. Well, you know, Dave Aranda is going to use different sets, so you, you would think they're going to find a way to get him in there. Uh, sorry if you lost, you know, what you thought might have been your starting position, but I, I can't imagine he wouldn't get playing time. No, he, I think he would definitely get playing time. I guess it's not the the the, the tight, you know. The the he does he's not maybe he thinks he's not going to be first string and he wants that that star or that you know first string position. But um, you know, I've seen a lot of a lot of talk about uh, Florida or talk about uh, Missouri or talk about Texas and you know a lot of people on those on those uh, tweets and like Instagram posts that that you've been mentioning, Daniel. You know, I don't know if you've seen in the comments. People are like, "Come to OU, come to Florida." Yeah, exactly. So, but the question that I that I have in you know, supposedly they tightened up this transfer portal thing, and the NCAA is going to be a little bit more discerning in who they who they deem eligible immediately. So, what what is his argument going to be? Because I thought that I thought that originally you had to prove that even with the transfer portal, you had to prove that there was some reason you're transferring. Isn't that right? Well, anybody can transfer, but to be eligible immediately, it has to be for some sort of like hardship. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you have to sit out a year. Yeah. So, is is he going to be able to prove that Coach O, you know, because they'll, they'll say it's it, that Coach treated him badly, or the or you know something like that? Yeah, a hardship thing. How? What's I wonder what his angle is going to be, or is he willing to sit out another year? Because if he's willing to sit out another year, I think that's just that's that's a dumb move. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you're going to sit out, why would you sit out? When, why would you sit out and not play at all when you could, you know, play some and stay on a on a you know national caliber team and not have to you know redo everything basically? Right, but, because next year you would think that uh, Christian Fulton would likely move on, so he would have that spot. Unless he's already worried that you know that's Elias Ricks' spot. Uh, but I agree with you. It, it doesn't make sense for him to transfer and sit out a year because he'd be getting playing time this year. And yeah, it's not like he's, he's not going to completely ride the pine. He's too good of a player, and there's too and there's too much need for good DBs in, in the LSU defensive scheme. And you don't just need two of them, right? Uh, well, I it made me think of something that actually Gus Malzahn said at Media Days. And he, he had made this, this point that there were more players in the transfer portal right now than there were scholarships available. So I, Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think that some of these, these kids, they, they like the idea of moving on, but what they don't realize is, you know, where are you going to go? They, most of these teams have filled up their, their roster spots, you know, especially with their recent like, recruiting class. So you can enter yourself in the portal. That's fine. The NCAA... Double A has made it easy for you to do so, but you know where are you going to go? It's just like job hunting. You can, oh, I don't like this job anymore. I'm going to move on. But 
It doesn't mean that there's immediately something available for you. Yeah, you can send out your resume to a million different jobs, but it doesn't mean you're going to get one. Yeah, schools don't just have random scholarships just hanging out ready to to give to whoever might enter the transfer portal. Obviously, if you've got some standout athlete, then they might try to make a move to free that one up. I guess you can say like Ohio State and Justin Fields or whatever. But, yeah, it's pretty unusual, I think, to just not be utilizing those scholarships. Well, and the timing, the timing for Justin Fields was a lot, was a lot better for him. Uh, you know, it's more advantageous for, for his cause of going to Ohio State because, you know, he's, just Kelvin Joseph is entering basically right before the season. So, like Scott said, those, those spots are probably filled. Or at least, at, at least at the, at, you would think, you know, you would think that he's not going to be the type of player who wants to go to McNeese or go to, you know, a small-time school kind of like how Anthony Jennings went to uh, Lafayette, University of uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, you know, I don't think that's what he's looking for. I feel like he's probably looking to go to another, you know, national national contender. And I, I just don't know. I feel like the national contenders of the world have their, have their rosters shored up by now going into fall camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, most definitely. Um, speaking of, I think Jonathan Giles had transferred to – uh, one of those type of schools. I think he transferred to Southern Texas uh, or something like that, um, which is still just kind of a, you know, what, what was that all about? But um, uh, Alice, you might have another spot opening up on its roster because uh, also at Media Days, Coach O said uh, when asked about Ed Ingram, they said, Are, you know, were you optimistic that he'll be back? And he said, he was not too optimistic uh, that he's going to return. Uh, I, I think that was more on a. Co- I don't know if that was a comment on, uh, you know, what Ed Ingram had to do to get back in the program, or just the the legal situation that he was in, uh, because it was you know something that happened before he had got to LSU. But it's it's a legal system in Texas that is playing out. So mm-hmm. was, I was kind of unsure if he meant you know stuff that Ingram had to do to get back in good graces with the team or just like a legal system that had to play out. But either way, uh, you know, that's, that's a roster spot technically that's just kind of sitting there. So, um, you know, I'd love to have the guy back, but I, I don't know what, if they're going to have to, to move on if, if, if they can't get him on campus. It, it's kind of, it's kind of a sticky situation. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that I think, you know, coach has said in the, uh, he said in the past that if, if everything gets, um, gets resolved we'd love to you know we'd love to have him back but that it's a big if and um so i i probably agree that you know if, if coach o says he was, he's not optimistic that he's coming back you know he knows more than we do so if if he if, he does, if he's not optimistic then i'm not right daniel were you were you uh uh, I didn't really have any take other than that. It's just that it seems like if he gets the legal situation shaken out and then charges dropped or however that finishes up, then, yeah, it seems like he could probably get back on the team. But as it stands now, not uh, having too high hopes for that. Yeah, and, you know, it's, we're about to enter fall camp. <laughs> the wheels of justice turn slowly, as they say. So um, I, I don't know what would be best for him, but I imagine they're going to figure it out soon. Um but you know the, the the show must go on, as they say. Um, but I mean, LSU's. I think they have a good line coming back. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry actually was just uh, named as a Remington watch list, which you know, goes to the top center 
in the country. Yeah, he was preseason first team All SEC, so good on him for that. And then they had a couple other preseason uh, All SEC team members that just got announced. Do you have it in front of you? Uh, yeah, I think they had uh, Derek's. Oh no, I'm sorry about that. It was it was Fulton and Fulton and uh, and and Grant Delpit, right? Yeah, Grant Delpit and Richard Lawrence were first team. Christian Fulton second team, and Jacob Phillips third team on the defense. Yeah, and then Lloyd Cushenberry first team uh, on offense. Damian Lewis uh, lineman second team, and then Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson on the third team. Very nice. Uh, Justin Jefferson was actually named to the Bolitnikoff watch list. Also, it goes to the top wide receiver in the country. Uh, so a lot of Tigers getting some accolades here. It's uh, it's kind of nice. I mean, if anything, it just talks to the talent that they have coming back. So, you know, some have put them at what I think the SEC said they were going to finish second in the West at media days behind Alabama. Uh, I mean, at this point, you can't really hope for too much more than that, given the way. No, yeah. <laughs> no, you if can't. You, I mean, it, we talked about it before, but you know, a a second in the uh, a second in the West can make it. You know, can can. Can have a better berth into the playoff than the uh, than the winner of the the eventual winner if they come, if that comes from the West or I guess it could come from the East. But regardless, like we said, so you know I think that I think that uh, it's like we we said it time and time again. But um, it's not a it's not a perfect season or bust, and uh, and that's kind of that kind of leads into what we want to talk about with going through the going through the schedule, isn't that right? Yeah, we I mean with the schedules. Uh about five weekends away, so you know, I think it's about time we looked at it. Um, we can go through game by game, but you know, it starts on August 31st with Georgia Southern in Tiger Stadium, uh, who they actually came off a good season last year. They had a couple down seasons before that, but they they were ten and three. They didn't fare, fare too well against uh, you know the top talent. They lost to Clemson pretty badly, um, but you know they had some good wins, so. Do you think the Tigers have uh, anything to worry about? Like, is this is this another Troy, you know, in the making, or is it is, are they going to handle business? No, we're we're going to beat Georgia Southern. Uh, that's <laughs> the situation. But uh, <laughs> you you mentioned Troy, and looking up and down the the schedule here, it's not really exactly a date to circle, but it's a date to keep an eye on. That's Saturday, October fifth, versus the Utah State Aggies at that's home. A good one. At home at Tiger Stadium, Utah State is a good team. They're better than Georgia yep. Southern. They finished 11 and two last year, tied for the Mountain West Championship with Boise State. The only teams they lost to were Boise State and Michigan State, and they were torn- returning starter quarterback Jordan Love, who really did well last year. He didn't really get any national accolades, but he's a strong player. And you mentioned tr- Troy game in 2017, that just debacle where we lost and. That was that, and kind of just killed the momentum of the season. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen here again, but Utah State is a good team, and that's coming off three straight weeks where we really haven't played strong competition because we've got Texas on the September 7th, then after that is Northwestern State, then Vanderbilt, and then a bye week. So, And then you have Utah State coming into town, and we lost at home to Troy. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that. I think it could be closer than a lot of people were expecting, especially – when the week after that, people are looking forward to the homecoming game against Florida, and so they might be looking past Utah State a little bit. So we'll uh, see Daniel, what plays you know, out there. Hopefully they blow well, them out, but we'll find out, I guess. Well, Daniel, you know, what, you know what you might want to call this one? 
a classic a good old situation. Trap game. Yeah, it's a trap game if I've ever seen one. You got it. Like you said, you're coming off uh, two weeks of, of you know not great talent on the field, and then a bye week uh, against a team that that Utah State is not a team to laugh at. They're they're I watched them play uh, on that what are they the Pac-12 after dark or whatever they call it. So they're playing those late games, but I, I've I've watched them play and um and like I said, they're not a bad team, and you you definitely have that that potential to be looking ahead towards Florida. Uh, Especially coming after the, the loss to Florida last year, which uh, was was really a, a, a debilitating loss for LSU. So I think that's definitely one, like you said, not to circle. It's not a game to circle, but it might be one to put an asterisk by. Uh, and I, I'm, but I'm sure that uh, that the LSU is aware of that as well, and that they will be uh, as prepared as as, uh, as ever. I agree. Uh, it's it's just interesting to. To, to look at the schedule and think, oh, that, that that's probably a given, but, oh, we have to watch out for this one. We have to watch out for this one. Um, but uh, after looking at it, you know, to me, the ones that stick out, obviously, are September 7th at Texas and oh, yeah. uh, October 12th at Florida. Then after that, it's been the usual gauntlet that they face where they've got to go, uh, you know, play against the entire SEC West. But... They have to go to Alabama and Ole Miss two weeks in a row. Uh, I think after going to Auburn, or excuse me, after playing Auburn and having Mississippi State in Starkville before that. Um, yeah, we actually have two buys this year. I think that's a new thing that they're doing just to kind of stretch the season out and give the people more rest. I was trying to look back, but I haven't seen that before with two buys. They have their first one uh, week five, September 28th, and then the next one, uh, week ten, uh, week ten, yeah, November second. Have we had two buys before? If it was, it was I think weather related. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't, yeah, Dana, I don't remember having two buys last week. I mean, last year, I don't think so, but I might be wrong. Yeah, we definitely did. You know, we had the uh, the rain out in twenty fifteen. And that one, you know, they, I guess you can basically call it a buy because they only got about a quarter in. Um, and then there was the other, there was the game where that hurricane happened. But I think, yes, the infamous hurricane against Florida to where that just, it, it made Florida and Gator fans not just dislike each other, but, you know, it's, it's full on hate now because uh, they're both sticking to their guns about who was wrong in that whole mm-hmm. debacle. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fine. It was, there are permanent cross division rivals. So I, I'd say, keep it going. But yeah, I don't think uh, only weather related issues have give us, given us two buys. Otherwise there's only been one. Yeah. Um, but it, you, everyone thinks that Alabama might be that one loss, at least on the back end of the schedule. But, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the other teams are doing this year. Uh, I think LSU is going to redeem themselves against Texas A&M at home. As much as Texas A&M wants to rekindle this rivalry, considering all the stuff that they were talking about at media days, Kellen Mond saying that, you know, saying LSU players are cramping. I mean, I I, I don't know. I I feel like Texas A&M and UCF need to just play each other to get this. I'm I'm more relevant bowl out of the way because that's just silly. It's like <laughs> you won once in eight years. I think Tredavious White tweeted about that. It's like congratulations, mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah, it's really it's really not a it's not a rivalry. Uh, like you said, they've they've won once. 
and I think this year we'll uh, we will we will prove that it is still not a rivalry. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I just think also the highlight of that game is definitely uh, uh, Kevin Falk fighting after the game. So and when he would have won that one too, I don't I wouldn't want to pick a fight with Kevin Falk. So uh, well, you might if you were the coach's nephew. Which I, was I get. Case. I guess I don't know. I saw that guy. He looks pretty. He looks pretty scrawny. So <laughs> I know, but he he, he uh, you can see him going. There's video of him going up to Jimbo Fisher after the game, and I don't know what he said, but it looked like he said, "I, don't, I got in a fight." And Jimbo looked out in the field and said, "With who? <laughs> like, who are you fighting? Why, why are you Why are you bothering me? We just won." It was kind of comical. Yeah. No, the whole thing was a joke, and I mean, we don't have to go over and relitigate the whole thing, but we know we know who should have won. We know that that uh, there were multiple multiple game ending plays that were then not reviewed or reviewed or called incorrectly or penalties not called. So, I mean, the whole thing was just a was just a, a joke of a game. Uh, quite an unfortunate loss for LSU. And, but I'm, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. I think it'll be a good, uh, a good time to to reassert our dominance over uh, Texas A&M. But um, speaking about y'all, y'all want to talk about this? This uh, kind of we're kind of moving forward in the schedule. We can go back because <clears throat> week two against Texas, I think, is probably one of the most important games both for LSU and just nationally. Probably since that LSU Oregon game in 2000 and, uh, 2011. Yeah, that's got to be, like gotta be the key. It's got to be the key because you can lose, like you said before, you can lose to Alabama but run the table otherwise and make a playoff. So if we lose to Texas week two, then with Alabama still on the horizon, your playoff hopes are almost completely dashed already at this point. And that would just be a big deflation, and then who knows how the season would potentially spiral out of control from there. But to win it, that's a huge confidence boost, and you've immediately made your statement on national television, and I'm sure that will put LSU in the top five, not maybe the top four or three teams in the country after Alabama and Clemson, obviously. But And then you got a long stretch of maybe not too great competition before you ramp up in the SEC schedule. And so LSU right now, oddsmakers have them at nine wins at the season. So you could see maybe yeah, Alabama, a loss. Texas, I think, is the number two biggest threat to so that if you chalk that up as a loss and then one random SEC loss, which typically kind of happens like last year against Florida. So it's a pretty good number. I'm thinking a 10 and two season overall with, we beat Texas, but lose to Alabama and then just have one random SEC loss, maybe at Mississippi state or at home against Auburn, I feel are two good candidates. But if we beat Texas and then roll on from there, I mean, who knows where the sky is the limit. Well, and you you got to think that that game. I haven't looked at other schedules, but that Texas LSU game has been talked about pretty much since they made that game. And so it's it's got to be the game. It's got to be College Game Day. So for sure, I, mean, I, I I can guarantee they'll be there. It's it's early enough in the season where it is. You know, we got to feel out these two giants and see who's who's the pretenders, who's the contenders. And kind of like you said about making making a statement on the national stage. If LSU, you know, if LSU comes out on top against Texas, that kind of knocks Texas off of the, I would think of the national conversation because they, yeah, they might, you know, they might, it'll be between them and and, uh, and Oklahoma, but 
if you have if LSU were to lose, then uh, Texas would still be in that talk, and you could you could see the the opportunity to have two Big Ten or Big Twelve Big Twelve with ten teams, the Big two Big Twelve teams in the playoffs. Um, just by the just by the way that the, the committee traditionally chosen, so I could you know I think that this is going to be a big statement win, and and this has to be not just for the fact of you know an unblemished season, but LSU has to win this has to win this game to in order to stay nationally viable, just to take out some of that competition that's also in the conversation. Yeah, and I think it also plays into the just the sheer momentum going into the rest of the season because I remember you know leading up to the LSU game. <clears throat> Granted, they were getting ready for Oregon's offense. And what some of the players, at least on defense, were saying was they were prepping all summer and fall to play against Oregon's offense. So, you know, both mm-hmm. sides of the ball were going quickly. The offense was trying to simulate Oregon, and the defense had to respond. So, obviously, LSU, that worked for them. And they said that they, that just got them ready for the entire season. It's that quick pace. I don't think Texas is like that, so I'm kind of – uh, you know, wondering what they're going to do to prepare. But a game like that on on that level of a stage, if that's how they prepare, then they can take on the rest of their season and have maybe just one loss. But, you know, they, they've got to establish that momentum early because, you know, having Georgia Southern come in, you know, the, like you said, the, you don't want them to look past um, someone before Florida, but I wouldn't want them to look past Georgia Southern before they play Texas because you know – they're dying to go to Austin and win there. But, you know, they still got to take care of that first game at home. But I agree. Well, just the Texas game will, will kind of set the tone for the rest of the year, and they need it if they want to be part of that conversation at the end of the year. Yeah, and, you know, you were mentioning about the, uh, the, the speed of Oregon and preparing for that speed. One thing that, that, that they'll probably need to prepare for is Sam Ellinger. Um, you know, he's being highly touted this year. He had a great season last year really kind of made, made Georgia look foolish um, in the Sugar Bowl. And, you know, then you can say, oh, well, Georgia wasn't prepared. Georgia didn't really, you know, they, they kind of didn't care. They weren't up for but it. They weren't up for it. They weren't excited about it. But still, I mean, he, he, he's, a, he's a great quarterback. And, you know, when you've got a, a schedule we're going to be playing, um, you know, Tua later on in the season and then potentially uh, some other great quarterbacks in, you know, in a potential playoff, It'll be good to get uh, to get some experience early in that season of a of a an elite, you know, one of the most elite quarterbacks that college football has to offer. Yeah, and then you mentioned uh, college game day for the LSU Texas game. The only other real big game that week is Texas A and M versus Clemson, which is a rematch of a pretty big game from last year. So, but I can't imagine ESPN picking that game over Texas and LSU, just two of the biggest fan bases, and just the, the and, street. And- atmosphere in, in Austin is going to have to be the, the one that and you know ESPN is just they're just straight Texas homers they love they love that Texas is back that's the, that's every conversation is, is Texas back when you're are they coming see, back you're gonna see Corso come out there and put on that big old Bevo head and everybody's gonna cheer <laughs> yeah Maybe, or, but he likes to put on the he likes to put on Mike's head sometimes though sometimes I don't know if it, if it benefits us but uh yeah ESPN Definitely loves the Blue Blood programs. Um, but but I, I would agree they, the game day is going to be there. I think LSU rises to the occasion, and I think they get out of Austin with a win. Uh, I don't know if week one is going to be 
enough of an indicator considering who they're they're both playing. Because while LSU is playing Georgia Southern, Texas has La Tech, and oh. but they haven't but they have them at home also. So it's you know it might just look like a you know a scrimmage to them. Heck yeah, Tech yeah. Yeah, we need uh, our we need our Bulldogs to come in and knock off uh, knock off Texas, or at least just wear them down. Yeah, that now that'd be great too. Like even uh, a close a cl- like a sca- if they scare them enough, uh, you know that 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 plays into it also. Uh, also, I don't, because, I don't know if either of y'all have heard this, but there's been a little rumors about maybe if the Big Twelve breaks up in a couple of years, that Texas could be trying to join the SEC which would be pretty big, and I'm not really sure how that would shake off. We, we'd probably have to add another team on the East, obviously, but I don't know if I'd really want to be facing them every single year in addition to the teams that we're already playing, to be honest. Now, now hear me out. When, when, when we added Missouri and A&M, I thought Missouri was just a not, not a great ad. I mean, who cares? And I thought the whole time it should have been Clemson. And it looked like my prediction had proven right after Clemson, you know, winning multiple national championships. So what if, I don't know, I think Clemson likes their position in the ACC. They like being able to not play SEC opponents for the entire regular season, go in unblemished, and then play them in the playoff. But what if you add Texas to the, to the West and Clemson to the East? I think that would be a pretty formidable conference. I don't think I don't know if I'm going to play in that conference. Yeah, I doubt Clemson would really want to dip out from the ACC. The ACC seems pretty solid. Yeah, they've got a good thing going. Yeah, but that's pretty much creating an all-star conference where, you know, it it just allows programs outside of that conference to thrive because now you have all these, you know, it's like the NBA when they put these super teams all in one conference, and, you know, only one team's going to make it out to play for a title. So, like, but then there's this other conference you know, kind of like the Cavaliers. Like, who was in the Eastern Conference to challenge them? Meanwhile, you had all these teams in the West that were really good. Yeah. So it'd be better if it was balanced. I'd say, you know, Clemson's probably going to stay there. You know, probably. No, no, I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not saying they would, but I, oh. that was just my, uh, you know, my. Uh, I thought we had another projection that we could pin you down on later. No, we can. No, do not put me down for that. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, yeah. I, I think that they're happy with their position in the ACC. Sure. I, and I don't think uh, – I, I don't know where you saw that, but I don't know that Texas is so ready to play Texas A&M every year again because that's going to renew that rivalry. And for the while, for the while, it doesn't seem like Texas really wanted to. They kind of want to distance themselves from it. So I, I don't know that Texas would want to hop in the SEC West if, if it meant playing the Aggies every year because uh, I, I think the Aggies – could have been t- given Texas a game all these years that their uh, rivalry has kind of been suspended because Texas had a down year while the Aggies were going up or a down a downtrend while the Aggies were going up. Yeah, they they did. Um, kind of after the Colt McCoy years, uh, Texas you know Texas kind of fell off and and that was when A uh, and M picked up. Uh, they had Von Miller who was probably one of their you know one of that fir- one of those first big pickups that uh, went on. You know, in recent years, and then it kind of went on from there. Yeah, and then once Kevin Sullen got there, then they kind of then John forward. Johnny Manziel and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think everyone's eyes are going to be on the, the LSU Texas game. And you know, I could tell you 
a good a good it could be a good indicator later in the season on where both conferences stand depending on what LSU does and depending on what Texas does. And uh, now I, I don't think Texas would would be able to beat Oklahoma just based on you know what I saw from both teams last year. But other than that, I, I don't know if there's much to to kind of challenge Texas uh, just looking at some of their other games. So you know if if LSU wins that game, you'd have to think it just helps them the rest of the year if, uh, if Texas has as good a record as them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that if, I think if, I think that that, I think that LSU and Texas are in very similar positions within their conference going into that game because a, I like, I think that it's similar to an, to a one loss LSU team, you know, getting the benefit of the doubt and, and getting into the playoff. I can, I can see another scenario where a one loss Texas team that, uh, that loses to Oklahoma we could also get in, you know, so because because at that point we're also assuming that LSU is a two loss at that point or two or more. Um, so I, you know, I think that uh, that there's a, there's a lot to play for more than just just the uh, the LSU, you know, who's who will win LSU or Texas, and then also there are a lot of implications for each conference and for the playoff in general when uh, when these two marquee teams match up in Austin. So assuming that 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 plays out in in LSU's favor, and they go through their schedule and they do not fall for this trap game against Utah State, uh, uh, let's let's ask this: Do you think that Alabama is the most likely loss that they would have? And if not, like who could be a surprise? Like I think LSU could possibly win that game, but like you said, Daniel, lose one other. Um, I don't know that I'm going to say that LSU would beat Alabama yet. We'll have to see how these first, you know, all the games before November are. But do you do you have uh, maybe a surprise loss here at Mississippi State at home versus Auburn? Or, or could it be, you know, against Texas A&M at the end of the year? Yeah, um, looking at the schedule, I do, I do think that uh, maybe, maybe the A&M game, um, right at the end of the season, but I, I feel like after last year, that's they're not going to let that happen. Um, I feel like similarly with Florida, you know, I don't know if they would let that happen again. That was a very disappointing loss that shouldn't happen. So I feel like they're not going to sleep on Florida. Um, you know, maybe Auburn. I, I think I've heard good things about Auburn this year. So maybe, but the schedule to me looks looks pretty manageable. Now it is. I think it's ranked one of the one of the stronger schedules in college football, but, um, just kind of going off last year, I, I, you know, there were only, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that Daniel might be onto something with this. I think that just judging by LSU, I feel like we play up to our competition pretty well, but it's always those, those weird teams that give us trouble because talking about Louisiana tech earlier, you know, Louisiana tech gave us a scare for a couple of quarters last year. So, you know, it might be that the the, the Utah State game. It might. I'm not going to say it's the most likely team to to beat us, but it might be the game that that's, that might be, you know, scariest because it seems like just a random directional school. But like Daniel said, they can play some ball. Right, yeah. and then talking about the 2017 year when we lost to Troy, that was the same year when we went to Mississippi State and got yeah. absolutely throttled. I think it was like 35 to seven or something like that. And that Mississippi State team was decent, but not incredible. And so it makes you a little bit scared of a similar situation happening here where LSU is playing well. And then all of a sudden they just 
don't even show up in one game. And it's really hard to say which game that's going to be, but they haven't really shown me anything in the past few years to prove that that's not going to happen at least once, unfortunately. And then, so, I mean, this season you, you look at the games like at Mississippi state or at home against Auburn, where that could potentially happen, but they're all winnable games really, except for Alabama, which is very slightly winnable, but a toss up. But other than that, obviously LSU does definitely has the talent to go 11 and one at least and make the playoff. Yeah, I agree. I, when looking at the schedule, uh, I could say that Alabama's, you know, could be the only loss, but that's because I don't know what else the other teams have. Like Auburn, you know, they they don't have Stidham anymore, and Ole Miss is starting over with their QB. Uh, Florida, we we know who they're going to be, but I think since LSU has the home field advantage. They're not going to let that happen. They're ready to put all this, this hurricane animosity behind them and just take control over that rivalry again. At Mississippi State, I, I, I don't know. I, just, I don't know if there's anything about any of the teams other than Alabama that makes me think, yep, that's, that's the game that LSU is probably going to lose. I, I don't, yeah, I agree. I, agree. I, I think if they lose, it's Alabama, but it, at Alabama, but it's close. And that, you know, that like we've talked about, that shouldn't hurt them too badly if that's the only loss. Other than that, I, I don't think there's any other team on their schedule that, you know, that LSU fans have to necessarily be worried about right now. Yep, and I think that I think we all are kind of on the same page about the schedule. Um, you know, there, it, it's it's uh, there's there's always that there's always that one game that's scary that's scary for LSU. I don't think we ever coasted through a season with just nothing, you know, and, yeah. and, but, um, there's always some surprises, but overall, like, like we kind of said, you know, I don't think the schedule looks, um, there's not some gear. I don't think there are any guaranteed losses on there. And, uh, I'm just ready. Man, I'm ready for that Texas game so much. Mm-hmm. I'm actually almost looking forward to next year when we play Texas at home. That one might even be better, but we'll see. <laughs> You guys are looking way down the line. I'm just looking for the videos and the reports to come out of fall camp so we can see, you know, where the team's at before they even face Georgia Southern at home. Mostly, I'm just still kind of dying to know who's going to be returning punt returns, but, you know, that's that's just me. We'll, we'll have to see how the schedule plays out. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more knowledge after the first two or three games to where we can better gauge you know, the games mm-hmm. uh, further into the season. Uh, really quickly wanted to congratulate Daniel Cabrera, actually. He, he was given the, the honor of wearing the number eight jersey, uh, which has become a tradition in baseball, kind of like LSU passes on the number seven. But uh, Daniel Cabrera would be wearing number eight next year, along with the names of Alex Bregman and Antoine DePlantis. And I think it started with Mikey Montuk. But, uh, that will just about do it for us. Guys, do you have any uh, any last-second thoughts about the schedule or otherwise? Nope. Ready to separate the contenders from the pretenders. Hopefully we're in the uh, former category, but looking forward to it. <laughs> Tommy? Absolutely. Can't wait. Amen. And uh, on top of that, I will add a, a Go Tigers. Uh, so that will do it for us, folks. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to follow each of us at Scott Gerard one and at Tommy Johnson LA, capital L, capital A, and at DF Zollinger. Uh, you can also give a follow to the LA Red Zone Report. Uh, 
with our pod specifically at RZRLSU pod. And uh, if you don't mind, consider making a donation to the supporters tab at LARedzoneReport.com. The more support you give us, the more content we can bring you. Uh, That'll do it for us, everyone. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next time on the LSU Sports Podcast.
Take it easy. Go Tigers. Go Tigers, of course.